please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, and this week we have a very interesting show for you. I know that we've been working hard to get in contact with all of the board members and to highlight things like local chapter meetings and some of the events that we've been to. I know Jesse and I went out to the big shanty festival and had a good time there on, on a nice, bright, sunny day. We were at the Georgia Carry booth right across from the only working toilet in the entire place, it seemed like. So we, we had a great time there getting to meet people and hand out buttons and talk talk about the the organization but sometimes we need to take things you know a little more full circle and come back to the individual members and while we were getting ready for this week's show we were originally intending on having another board member on to talk about things that are coming up and I know that we had you know a great time last week with uh, representative former representative Tim Bearden and and Jerry Henry who are here talking about the the golden age of GCO and overturning the public gathering laws but as we were getting ready for this week's episode we came up up against a story which really just caught our attention in a way that few have. I found the story on the GeorgiaCarry.org Facebook page. One of the members was discussing a, a situation that had happened, and that member's name is Guy Bennett, and he's in the oh, studio with us today. Say hi, Guy. Hi, everyone. So, Thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome, <laughs> yeah, Guy. Yeah, glad to have you. You know, we, we were you know trying to figure out something that would be really good for all of the members to hear and this story just jumps off and i think it's important to get individual members in for the show every once in a while so that it's not just the higher-ups who get a chance to to tell their stories but people who are kind of fighting the fight on a daily basis and this is what we see in in this instance so you know as as we're looking ahead we're going to talk a little bit with guy about what happened and it's it's a very you know, common thing, I think, that could happen to any one of us who carries on a daily basis. So we're going to delve into that. We're going to have a little bit of discussion about, you know, positive and negative rights. We're going to talk a bit about uh, where, you know, private property rights begin and end, which is a, a common drumbeat at the GeorgiaCarry.org meetings. I mean, we always talk about, well, we don't want this to be a criminal activity, but if you as a private owner of a business want to prohibit someone who owns or who is carrying a gun from coming on to your establishment or coming to your store, or coming to your mall, that's up to you. You can always do a criminal trespass and tell them to leave, but it shouldn't be criminal to carry your firearm in the first place. And I, I think that that's a very wise and tempered approach. But this story, the one we're about to hear in just a minute, kind of turns all that on its head. So, Guy, let me ask you, when 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 did this happen? Yeah, well, um, Tuesday is our trash pickup day, and uh, set the can out. Typical... Tuesday morning, lounging around the house, watching TV, working on my computer, and uh, heard the trash truck go by, and and it heard them dump it. Yeah, no big deal. And then there's all this yelling and commotion. Now, let me set the stage for our listeners just a little bit. Guy, you you live in a, a typical suburban community. You're middle-aged. You're clean-cut. You you know seem to be a very relaxed individual sitting here in the studio today. You have a military history as well, right? Yes, I am a uh, veteran in the United States Army for seven years. Um, 
If you want to go into my firearms training, I've also trained with uh, Lakewood City SWAT training officer, uh, Mr. Swainson, in uh, Lakewood, Colorado, which I originally hail from. And, uh, you know, so I'm not someone who just went down to your local pawn shop and, you know. You you have a, a, a clear I, yes clear history of background. You have training. You're clean cut. You're average guy. Not not as far as I can tell from not our interaction. Not threatening. Non confrontational. So you hear a commotion going on beyond just the the picking and dumping of garbage. Exactly. And uh, my mother, who's disabled, she's sitting in the front room, and she goes, "Guy, there's something going on." And I go to the front door, not entering a potentially threatening atmosphere, and, uh, you know, peek out, look, and there's the garbage truck parked in front of my house, but not near the garbage can, and all the guys are yelling about something. You say all the guys. The, the, that, well, there's two two persons on the back of the truck, and, you know, obviously you got your... One person up in the cab driving, I, I assume one, possibly two. Um, so I go out and, you know, I, hey, guys, you know, what's going on? And At this point, you're still on your property. Yes. I, I, I at no point left my property. I actually never ventured beyond 20 feet from my front door. And you were open carrying? Well, there's a little background to that, so... Uh, being very sunburned from the recent sunny days, <laughs> yeah, it finally I, came out. I took full advantage of it and got some uh, much needed yard work done. So, uh, yeah, it was a little sunburned, so it did not have my shirt on. I typically house carry because you know it's your right. You never better know when better to have it. it. <laughs> better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So, uh, yeah, it was. Oh, I guess you could say in a uh, manner it was a semi-open carry because so, it is it is an inside the waistband, so it's not protruding, but you can see the handle. Okay, so here you are. You you didn't go and strap on a gun to go out there to talk to no. these guys. You just got up out of your chair. Your mother had said there were some people yelling in the front yard. And you walked out to, to see what was going on. I actually heard it over the television. That's how loud it was. Okay. So, uh, anyway, they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're trying to give directions to our driver regarding a pilot car for the construction area nearby. And uh, turn around, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, sounds like you guys are fighting. And they're like, no, everything's okay. And I'm like, well, as long as everything's okay. And I waved. They waved. I went back in the house. And that's where it all should have ended, right? I mean, that, I, there's not, not much more to it. Seems like it would have. I had no problems with it. You know, a little annoyed by the you know level of noise and disturbance, but, you know. It, living, it wasn't annoying enough to make you want to call their supervisor, was it? No. It, what, not really. I, I try and adopt a live and let live policy. You know. Yeah. They were having... Obviously, some sort of difficulty. Eh, let them sort it out. Right. So you go on about your day, and how how on earth did you end up on our radio show? Uh, <laughs> it seems like a non-issue. Uh, about uh, almost said it in military. Uh, Fifteen ten hours. <laughs> uh, 
just after three o'clock, uh, their manager calls me and says, you know, we have to discontinue your service. You were scaring our employees. You had a gun and all this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I never threatened anybody. I never scared anybody. And I tried to explain, you know, what had happened. And, uh, that's when I told him, I says, you know, it's, I probably at this point, it seems like I should have called the just called the police for, you know, a, a disturbance. Oh, well, if you're going to call the police, I'm going to come out there. And that's when I disconnected the call. And I actually did call Cobb County. Okay. Well, I can't say that I blame you. He threatened to come to your house. <laughs> well, he actually did come to my house and, uh, it comes to find out that, you know, he just wanted his garbage can, whatever, you know, that that's not the way it was communicated, expressed to me. You know, I'm not going to assume intentions. Uh, the best engagement is one that you avoid. Absolutely. So uh, the gentleman from Cobb County instructed him to pick up his garbage can and be on his merry way. So when when the manager came out, Cobb County had dispatched an officer already? There were two officers sitting waiting for him. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good for Cobb County. Yes. And did they have I, any issue with you? No. <laughs> he, he uh, the officer without seeming biased or partisan just kind of you know did the whole slight shaking of the head and i'm i'm not going to say he was sympathetic to me but he wasn't you know he wasn't understanding their reaction he wasn't investigative towards me it's not like see, he was digging for something i might have done wrong he didn't see any reasonable articulable suspicion on your part in any way no. shape, or form. no so this was an, a kind of a non-issue for the police and yet here we have a, a local business owner and we're going to talk a little bit about this who decided that simply because you were carrying a gun on your own property that he no longer wished to to have you as a customer or client or to interact with you. I don't believe he's the owner. I think he's just a manager because this sanitation company, when I called them, they have several locations and several offices, and each office had a different manager. So I'm thinking he's probably not the owner. Well, he's the he's the authorized agent who's acting in the stead of the owner, and his true. his actions can be imputed upon the company. So, uh, we're coming up on a, our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the company, our efforts to reach them, and why they're not on the show today. Uh, you're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio right here on your local station. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We've been having some fun during the commercial break here on GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. You know, it, it's always fun to be in studio with a guest, and, and when we roll through the commercial breaks, we have a little bit of banter and back and forth, and I think that GeorgiaCarry.org Radio is a lot like Baltimore. It's always a riot here. So, oh, as, that was low. Uh, too soon. <laughs> 
<laughs> so as as we come back in, uh, Smith it's Smith Sanitation. Am I correct? Yes. They are the company that had previously provided service to Guy and his household, and who had decided that since he had walked out of his house while carrying a gun inside his waistband, that that was sufficient reason to cancel their contract with him and apparently not return our phone calls because we've made extensive efforts to reach out to Smith Sanitation and to have them on the show. We've called their company line a couple of times yesterday, a couple of times this morning. I've left we've the messages. left voicemail, uh, all to no avail. Even though their company line says that they open at 8 a.m., from 8 a.m. until about 10, we made multiple efforts to contact them and no response, no callbacks. And so as the, the time of our recording this morning, we've heard absolutely nothing out of Smith to to have either a statement, no comment, or anything at all. They have just not returned our calls. Well, uh, I would like to interject. There, There is no contract. It, it was just, you know, but uh, your experience with their uh, telephone is not uncommon even for customers. I've had days like that with them well uh, be it that as it may i mean we've made more than diligent efforts to reach out to them so that they had plenty of opportunity to come on to the show to uh give us a a comment or or a prepared statement for us to read on their behalf and so i feel very comfortable going forward with you know discussing their actions in their absence since they have had ample opportunity to to appear today the message i left them was if they they would like to discuss it with us they were more than welcome to give me a call back and i even gave them my personal number as well as mine i get the feeling that they're just disinclined to acquiesce (laughs) yeah well so here we are and i I think that we've covered our basis and trying to be fair to to both parties to have both parties on to describe what happened or what they had perceived to happen and so from here on out i think it just really needs to be a discussion amongst us and and hopefully our listeners if our listeners want to chime in by sending us an email for next week's show or uh, maybe commenting on one of the local area facebook pages to get discussion rolling that'd be even better and we'd be happy to address comments from the outside but as we get into this i think that this is really an important issue i mean this is bigger than just one company turning around and saying hey we don't want to do business with you well every day as a person that carries a firearm i come into contact with a sign that says no firearms Mm -hmm. it happens to you sometimes when you enter certain stores waffle house is one of the worst local chains that has signs up everywhere and georgia carries official position always is we respect the signs we don't go where we're not supposed to go instead we just don't spend our money there and that's pretty much how I handle it. However, when when you're on your own property, when it's a business you don't really go to, say it would be you know the AJC and they're delivering the paper to you, and the paper guy sees you in your yard doing target practice with your kids, and all of a sudden you're not going to get your paper anymore. I don't think that's really fair. I, I think that this comes down. We have a lot of civil rights issues right now that are coming into matters of conscience and action versus inaction. I mean, we, we hear about lawsuits against bakeries that won't create a, a cake for a homosexual couple getting married under the law in their state. We see a lot of issues now where it's becoming, what are the obligations of a business owner versus the, uh, the duties to be fair to someone's civil rights? And marriage is a civil right as much as carrying a firearm is a civil right. These are rights which are given to us by God, enshrined in our Constitution, and through um, judicial decisions that expand on the Constitution to protect individuals' ability to do what they are legally allowed to do. 
And so where do we draw these lines? I think that the line shouldn't be drawn where a person is on their own property. I mean, you clearly weren't weren't doing anything. I <laughs> never left within 20 feet of my front door. So as far as I'm concerned, by him even first, uh, you know, saying that I had uh, scared or threatened his employees, I, I, I was offended. And then... The fact that he had a problem with me carrying a weapon on my property, that feels like a violation of my uh, personal property rights. I, I think you're right. But it doesn't even, it's not just that. I mean, even the cop knew it was kind of bogus, or he would have been talking to you about Terrorist things that threats. are very obviously <laughs> felonies in Georgia and threatening someone with a firearm. Putting them in fear with a firearm is is a, a felony in Georgia, is it that, not? That's correct. Well, it depends. I mean, there there are two separate statutes about felony or well about uh, fear from a firearm. First, there has have, to be some sort of intent. Well, for I, actually, I'm going to disagree there because I think that the misdemeanor statute is devoid of intent. There is a statute about pointing a pistol at another, which seems to be completely consumed by the terroristic threats or excuse me, the aggravated assault statute aggravated assault also says pointing a pistol at another so what could be the difference between the fel 20 year felony of aggravated assault pointing a pistol and the one year misdemeanor of pointing a pistol you accidentally pointed the pistol well i think that it, it's either intent which is accidental or knowledge and i'm not it's never been really clearly defined it's never really been been hashed out by the court of appeals because let's say I pointed a pistol at you, but you never saw it. So you were never in fear. You had your back turned to me, and then I put the pistol away. But the cop over there saw me do it. That might be the misdemeanor where I pointed the pistol, but I did not cause fear on you to raise to the felony level. Whereas if you had seen it, then that would have put you into such fear that it would create the felony necessary. The other idea is if you did accidentally point a pistol, that might be the misdemeanor charge. But if it was really accidental then all all crimes have to have some form of intent well, i'm to sure that anybody who's ever worked with a uh, new gun owner or new shooter has been accidentally flagged at least once yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> anybody works at a gun range i mean there you go so you know there 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 are multiple statutes that could be applied the officer didn't see any reason to go into any of these so i i think that what we're really bringing this down to is public perception and is public perception of a gun owner to the point now where people are still afraid and i i really do like the analogy to what's going on with the the gay rights movement right now because i think that a lot of people were afraid of homosexuals to the point where they would act out against them and infringe on their civil rights in a way that gun owners also seem to be targeted persecuted and discriminated against and I'll, I'll lead this into the media. The media never covers, well, they, they do very lightly cover when somebody saves someone with a gun, they'll mention it for three seconds. But when someone commits a crime with a gun, they're all over. For weeks. For, for weeks. I've often said that the uh, mainstream media has a agenda to vilify legal gun owners. I, and I, I, to what end, you know, we could all sit here until, you know, the end of time speculating but uh 
I think you're probably right about that. That the media likes to make us into monsters. And the way they do that, they can't do it with the legal gun owners because the legal gun owners, the people that, that go and apply for a license and, and carry and, and, and go to the, the gun range, these aren't the people that commit the crimes. So they can't take and, and say that you did something because you haven't done anything and I haven't done anything and Doug here hasn't done anything either. They can't use us. So they use the illegal people and then push it onto us by taking away our the media time for good things and, and bumping up the media time for bad things. And I, I've just, also, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I've also uh, often argued that by vilifying the gun itself, oh, yeah. they, de- uh, they dehumanize the uh, ownership and civil rights aspect of it. You know, it, it's the gun. The guns don't have rights. And so by the, legislating against the gun, we're not, hurting people were restricting the gun. Do you, do you remember way back in the 90s when Bill Ruger testified to Congress and said that no honest man needed more than 10 rounds? Bill Ruger's I a moron. I do. Was. Not well, is. Well, was a moron, if that's what he said, because I can see tons of uses for more than 10 rounds for an honest person. Well, you know, that was, he, he was trying to save his company from judicial, or excuse me, legislative action there. And so he was jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, Congress, whatever you're going to do, we're behind you. Ruger's a good company. Don't take our, you know, factory away from us. We won't make anything that, you know, annoys the government. But now we've seen after Bill Ruger's untimely death that, the company has come around and is now making ARs and shipping their 1022s with 30 round magazines and making all sorts of high capacity handguns in contravention for the previous sentiment. But there was a lot of, you know, this kind of corporate thinking there them and Smith and Wesson and a lot of companies were in the early nineties willing to sell their souls in order to stay alive. You know, it, it just the whole thing that bothers me about your story is the fact that you didn't threaten anybody. You didn't pull your gun. You were on your own property. It's not like you were out on the street waving the gun. And these people that were there went back and told their boss, which tells me one thing. They, A, knew they were in the wrong for what they whatever they were doing. And B, were afraid you were going to tell their boss what they were doing. So they used your second amendment rights as the cover, cover. for their own rear ends <laughs> yeah that's exactly right i mean we the as far as we can tell i mean not having heard back from the company not knowing their story because they have just refused to call us back after multiple efforts the only conclusion that i can draw at this point with the evidence in front of me is that they knew that the, what they had done was incorrect and they figured the the principle of first reporting whoever gets to say their story first gets believed most which is a horrible, horrible thing, but happens all the time. Especially I, with children. <laughs> I, I had um, a case a couple of years ago where the first report ended up with a, a very kindly elderly gentleman getting arrested for aggravated assault because the, uh, the true assailant was the first to call the police. We're, we're coming up on a commercial break, folks. Stay tuned. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about personal rights when we come back right here on GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, folks. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and we, we're here in studio with Guy today who has been telling us about his fantastic story of, of, of high drama and, and action adventure for walking out of his front door while having a gun inside, of a, inside the waistband holster and losing his garbage service, which may seem kind of comical in the long run, but it, I think that this is really an important topic because it addresses our rights in a way that we're not used to hearing. Your, our, our typical story we hear is man with gun goes into store, store says, we don't want you here, leave. Man with gun leaves peaceably and then puts up on, you know, georgiapacking.org, hey, this store doesn't like gun carriers and nobody goes back. But this turns it on, because there we have the rights of the store owner to say, we don't want your kind here. and We don't feel comfortable with your firearm in our store, you know. And that's their right. But, and I but respect that. Do they have the right to tell you on your own property? I'm going to say no. And and here we have a private property owner who had a company come onto his property, and he's like, "I want you to do a service," and they're like, "No, we we don't want to. We don't serve your kind." So, and of course, it was after the fact as well. So now I'm out. Uh, you know essentially gotten a place to store my trash for the next week until uh i'm gonna go ahead and plug him until american uh comes out and uh, drops the can off next week now did, the did trash company did you talk to them about what had happened mm. did you tell them that you cared? no i <laughs> didn't feel inclined to uh share that with them yeah and and jesse it was like you said earlier you know what if the ajc decides they don't want to drop off your letter or what here's a better one what if fedex turns around and says hey i see you ordered 10 cases of ammo we're not going to start delivering to your house anymore because we think that you're a danger or comcast or the united states postal service i mean well they're, they, they're, well, they're all close enough to go on that's postal. Actu- that's actually a uh, interesting story. I've already beaten them, and uh, it's gone all the, that went all the way up to DC. They did stop delivery to my house, but for a different reason. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm scared now, to since, ask, guys. Since you mentioned it. <laughs> but, you know, any, anybody could say, we don't like this. I mean, it could be because of your religious beliefs. There, there's a lot of reasons I could say, we don't agree with you. We don't want to do business with you any longer. And do they have the right to do that just because they disagree with, with something you believe in? I, I don't think that that's exactly right, but... Well, you know, we were talking before the break, we were talking a little bit about first reporting because apparently these these employees had run back to their manager and said, oh, my goodness, we were so scared. That's why we were shouting in the street is because we were so scared before he came out. I'm baffled by the way that authority figures, whether it's, you know, the police, the the prosecutor, the manager, the owner, whoever it is, authority figures seem to take the first report at, at gospel whereas everything else that comes out later is is suspect and this had really played out in a case that i handled a couple of years ago where a a gentleman was at an atm and he got into a shouting match with the person in front of him at the atm and the person in front of him turns around and starts to come at him threatening him verbally threatening him to assault him and my client pulled out his gun he didn't point it at anybody but he pulled it out to stop the situation the situation stopped but the person who was coming back threatening him physically called the police and it ended up with the police pulling my 60 something year old client through the window of his car 
um, separating him from his car, his license, and his firearm, putting him in the back of a police car, and being questioned. And this is where I think, you know, the first, you said earlier, Jesse, the first thing you should do is call 911. And Guy, you said, and said, yeah, you should call 911. If you ever have to pull your gun on somebody, call 911. You know, for years I had been of a different opinion that... It's dangerous to make that phone call because the 911 tape can be introduced against you as evidence. What are you going to say in that heated moment that could be later used against you? As a defense attorney, I pull in to try to keep as much of my client's, you know, fallibilities off of the stand in any way I can. But here, if my client had called the police and said, this guy threatened me, I was afraid for my life right off the bat, then later when the officer took the stand and lied flat-out lied on the stand and said, uh, the defendant told me he was not afraid for his life. If he had said that on a 911 call, it would have been recorded where a police officer couldn't change it, couldn't say. Then they would be questioning his honesty because he would have had this 911 call to be played, and he can't get rid of that. And it, it is you in your voice saying, I was in fear, I was terrified, I was afraid they were going to kill me. And then he says, well, they told me they weren't in fear for their life. Well, why would you tell the 911 and Dispatcher that before, so you kind of—it's kind of um, saving yourself. It introduces the uh, argument. I mean, it was a big deal, and that case ended very badly. It was—it was a tough fight after the officers made those statements on the stand. The jury was forever on the officer's side from that point on, and it was a very sad day overall. And that—that that was a very deep lesson for me about the importance of being a first reporter. And as sad as that is, that the truth doesn't matter as much as who says their lie first, it's the way that everybody seems to work. And we see that playing out in this instance where the the employees come back saying, we were afraid, we were afraid of nothing, but yet that's believed by the manager to the point where he's willing to cancel service for a customer. Now, why didn't the manager say to the employees at some point, well, what were you guys doing to make him come out of his house in the first place? Well, he actually uh, admitted that they were, um, as he said, discussing with the driver. Of course, you have a large diesel trash truck and the gentleman on the back of the trash truck trying to discuss. To yell at the, with the driver? With the, with the driver at the front of the truck uh, regarding the uh, comings and goings of the pilot car now the truck was stopped in front of my house so why did they not just hop down off the little things and walk around <laughs> i mean there's so many other ways this could have been handled by them so this altercation never happened and, and see that's where we get into how do we prevent ourselves from being in an altercation and, and there's a lot of steps you can take to not have to deal with people on this level to not have to worry about somebody coming and saying hey what are you guys yelling about <laughs> exactly well, and, and, and you know, for that matter, and I, I am not being critical of you, Guy, in any way, shape, or form. I, I don't want to portray that in any way. But when you made the decision to go out onto your, your yard to become involved in what was an argument or a situation, then, you know, you, you interjected yourself in such a way. And I think a lot of people have taken the stance that I'm never going to intervene, I'm never going to take a stand, I'm never going to get involved, because it always comes down to the person trying to do right getting the short end of the stick. And if if we play that out, then, you know, you have 
people who are carrying, who see a cop being beaten, who do nothing, who see an armed robbery happening at a store, who do nothing, who will never get involved unless it's, you know, seconds away from their own life because of the fear of bad consequences. You know, one of the um, local chapters, it was Don Towers of the North Chapter, GeorgiaCarry.org, had put a, a poll up on the 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 site on facebook i had fun with this one yeah you did and it you know the poll was basically this is the situation you're alone in in a store he meant that you didn't have anybody else with you (laughs) but you're alone and and somebody comes in and robs the bank at the front of the store what do you do you're carrying a firearm and of course you know of course doing a careful reading when it said you are alone and you see a robbery i said that you should probably seek psychiatric help since you are alone you must be imagining their robbery right Oh, I'm getting semantics. <laughs> and then I said, well, maybe you should have hopped back in the TARDIS because you must be having a dimensional issue. You know, of course, Doug's a geek and he thought that was great. But the truth of the matter is a large majority of the people chose the first option. And the first option was do nothing, draw, do nothing, hide, report, call 911 <laughs> and let the authorities and these are all people who carry firearms you know the sad fact of it is is uh our society has conditioned us to, to be this. afraid to get involved because if you're involved you're going to get uh, vilified you're going to be immediately cast as suspect mm-hmm. it, at a minimum you're going to possibly lose your job your livelihood uh, possibly your children. There have been instances where, you know, oh, you're an unfit parent, you have guns in the house. And yep. uh, then you also have, you know, the, all the downtime for the administrative and judicial. Well, it, it is a scary prospect, and there are a lot of consequences for, for doing right. Yeah, we're coming up on another commercial break, and we'll be going into our final segment after this where we'll have the, the good and the bad and the ugly this week. I, I think this has been a very good topic. I think it's got a lot of depth to it, and I hope that some of our listeners will maybe start a, a thread on georgiapacking.org or, or send some emails into radio at georgiacarry.org and, and get the discussion flowing further. But thank you for coming on with us, Guy. We, we really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. We've enjoyed the conversation with you, and I'm sorry that that happened to you. Now, hopefully the American will treat you much better and your garbage will be taken away without incident. Uh, folks, we'll be right back. You're listening to georgiacarry.org radio. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We, we've just finished off a fantastic discussion with a GeorgiaCarry.org member. You know, Guy told us his story about, you know, a very benign situation which spiraled out of control in that a company decided to refuse to, to offer their services to him anymore. And I, I, I'm... I'm hard pressed to draw any conclusion other than that, you know, this would be something that if it was a, a different civil right, if it was gay marriage, if it was, you know, um, the right to, to seek medical treatment that you find to be helpful for your medical condition. And I think without going into too much detail, you can tell where I'm going with that. The idea is, is that certain rights are 
okay to fight for and other rights are not okay to fight for well the thing that bothers me the most is that a lot of your garbage garbage men they, they see what's in people's trash and they probably have pretty good indications of, of who's involved in criminal activity and who's not and they keep their mouth shut about that every day but they're going to complain about a man who's just exercising his second amendment rights on his own property and that kind of bothers me yeah trash <laughs> trash pulls are a very lucrative source of evidence to figure out criminal enterprise and and you know the the sad thing is is that most criminals may go to extreme measures to protect their criminal enterprise, but then they don't have the wherewithal to get up at four thirty in the morning to make sure that the cops aren't going through their trash at midnight, which I've seen over and over again for some strange reason. They will put all the evidence that the cops need out to the trash at ten thirty at night to go to bed, and then let them pick through it all night long. Anyway, well, maybe you've got the people that that probably have evidence of having a meth lab inside their house and they never call and refuse them service <laughs> you know so I'm just saying you know it, it's it's a it's a good topic we've had some great discussion with it. and that's you know kind of the impetus here at georgiacarry.org radio you know you can reach out to us at radio at georgiacarry.org and i know that last week our podcast being uh put up on the georgiacarry.org website was a couple of days late due to a couple of technical issues, but I was told that we had overwhelming response to people asking, where is it? Where is it? So we know that you folks are listening to us online. Wouldn't you rather be able to tune into us on your local station? And this is the, the big opportunity for everybody to get involved. I mean, georgiacarry.org is a member-driven organization. I mean, we're, you know, NPR talks about how they're member-supported. Well, georgiacarry.org is members. It's nothing but members. Everything that happens happens is because of members there's no support it is completely member driven and here is where we need you to get driven and get involved because we're here in atlanta on 1160 we're reaching out to stations in valdosta and villarica and in Delonica, but we need people to call these stations and to get on to them and say hey i listen to your station all the time i want to hear georgiacarry.org radio why isn't it on your station and they can reach out to us through radio at georgiacarry.org and we can help them get the syndicated program on their air, and it will not be a, a big financial burden for the station. It'll drive listeners to them. It'll help them with advertising. It's good for everybody, but they need to know that you're listening to get them to be interested in carrying this show. So reach out to them. Let us know who you've contacted. And, you know, join up with georgiacarry.org. If you're listening to this radio program for the first time, if one of your friends asked you to download this episode because they, it interested them or that you were just perusing the website and decided to listen in to see what Georgia Carry is really about, join up. Go to georgiacarry.org and in the top left-hand corner, click Join Now. Go to any gun show and sign up in person. Or most festivals, like the Big Shanty Festival, where Jess and I were just a couple weeks ago. All of these are great opportunities for you to get involved. You can pick a, a yearly membership for 20 bucks. You can pick a lifetime membership. And anybody under the age of 50 should get a lifetime membership because they will save money in the long term. And, you know, it... it it's an easy thing to do to get involved, to get all of the web updates, to get all the email updates, to know when to call your representative, to stop harmful legislation where legislation needs to be tweaked. These are all things that georgiacarry.org delivers for us, as well as being the most effective lobbying group in the state. So with all that said, Jess, what's the good for this week? The good for this week is the South Carolina House has overwhelmingly passed constitutional carry in south carolina so it's going to go to their senate do you know if if this is constitutional carry for everyone in the state or just for south carolina residents i'm pretty sure it's just for south carolina residents however i'm pretty sure that this bill 
is attached to the one that makes them reciprocal with Georgia. Oh, that would be a glorious day because there's there's different types of constitutional carry. Now, you know, the broad based one like Alaska has just simply there is no criminal charge for carrying a gun. And so in that way, (laughs) there's nothing that you can be charged with unless you do something specifically proscribed, like carrying into a courthouse or a jail or a mental facility. When I was doing the research on this particular bill to begin with, it was um, as the the reciprocal bill. And um, one of the GeorgiaCarry.org members that I was discussing it with says, yeah, but they put that constitutional carry poison pill in there to keep it from passing. So we're not 100% sure what's going to happen with this thing. We're kind of oh. watching it, and I feel like the weatherman watching the clouds develop. Overwhelmingly passed in the House. That's that's, that's half, a good step. Well, a third of the way there, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <clears throat> so that's fantastic news, and that is obviously good. Now, the bad is something that I had run across that was near and dear to my heart. Um, the New York SAFE Act. I don't know how many people down here in the South are familiar with what the, the good people in New York have done to themselves. But they have a bill that says that you can't have more than eight rounds in your magazine. You can't own certain types of firearms. And certain types of ammo either. More importantly, that every single firearm sale has to have a background check. Now, that means that not only does every sale from a, a federally licensed dealer, like here and everywhere, has to go through a background check. Every sale from a, a dealer in a gun show already has to go through a background check here and everywhere else in the country. But let's say that I wanted to sell one of my guns to Guy. Well, suddenly, if we're in Georgia, we meet up, we shake hands, he gives me money, I give him a gun, we both, you know, smile and go on our way. If we want to sell a car, I meet up, we shake hands, he signs my title, I sign my title, I hand him the title, he hands me money, he drives off in the car. If I want to sell him a rutabaga, we meet on the side of the road and he gives me money, I give him a rutabaga, we go our merry way. In New York, if he wants to buy my gun, we meet up, we go to a federally licensed dealer, we give them money, they run a background check, they approve the sale, and and then he gives me money, I give him the gun, and we both go our merry way. Which sounds like, okay, sure, it's just one more inconvenient step. But what about for the people who can't do that? What about, and I'm not talking about people who are prohibited from owning a firearm. We're talking about pacifists. Yeah. The Amish. <laughs> the Amish do not have identification. No, they don't. They don't have social security numbers. They don't have any way to have a background check run on them. So they have suddenly... Force du jour lost the ability to ever sell their firearms or purchase a new firearm. And they do purchase firearms for hunting purposes, even though they don't um, intend to hurt so anybody. He, with here is the, the government of New York who have come up with the brilliant idea to disarm the pacifists. That's, that's just genius. We're going to end all of these robberies in New York City by disarming the Amish. Let's target them first and go after the Amish. Never uh, trust the English! You know, what? what's happening now is the Amish are suing over it. That's what I read was that the yeah. some of the Amish communities are, are suing. And Godspeed to them to try to make it so that they can, can have their way of life that they've maintained for centuries. I mean, this is this is just... Maybe, you know, you can make a case that it's unintended consequences, but my goodness, this is just malarkey. Anyway, and the ugly this week. And the ugly is not Rosie O'Donnell in a swimsuit this week, even though it should be. Um, We have a certain anti-gun group of moms whose names shall not be named because they just don't deserve the publicity, who've been boycotting Kroger because Kroger refuses to not... 
um, take away our rights to open carry in their stores. Would this be mothers for domestic terrorism? <laughs> yes, it would be mothers for domestic terrorism. So basically, the the mothers for domestic terrorism, they do not want um, people open carrying in the Kroger stores because it might hurt their feelings. Well, unfortunately, I don't care about their feelings, but I do care about Kroger. I do care. No, neither does Kroger. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing now is a campaign for everybody that's a, a member or supporting their organization to shop somewhere else and send in a copy of the receipt and they're going to keep a running tally of the money that was spent in stores other than Kroger to kind of try to rub it in Kroger's face. I really don't think Kroger cares, but I want to start a, a group to rally for Kroger. I think that all GeorgiaCarry.org members should go and shop at Kroger just to show these people that we don't care how they feel about our guns. Kroger's come a long way. The very first place I ever opened carried in my life intentionally was Kroger. And I got followed around by the manager and the assistant manager, and I managed to stop a, a theft of some $80 worth of their food, which is a story in and of itself, which mm-hmm. I think I've told on this station before. But. Probably. I think that was a previous radio show you so, did in a previous life. Yeah, go go ahead and, and listen to our back shows on georgiacarry.org to, to catch up on, on all the things you may have missed. But they are boycotting, and they can boycott all they want, but it's not going to stop me from shopping at Kroger. Boycott is a funny word, isn't it? You know, I looked up the origins of the word boycott the other day. You know where that word comes from? I do not. It's somebody's last name. Hmm. A, a landlord in Scotland who was so notorious that people refused to Rent do, from him. do business with him. Well, and I, I would like to say that I remember when uh, that group you were mentioning uh, started uh, hammering on Kroger about their uh, policies and the Kroger uh, management issued their uh policy stating that they would follow all state local and federal laws and open carry was or carry in uh, their stores was fine and uh, i happen to remember uh, their sales were going upward instead of down and i actually uh, intentionally shop at kroger a little more often Ever in the last couple of years, every instance I've heard of someone dealing with Kroger with a gun, whether it you know be in their store or elsewhere or under any circumstances, has been positive. And I am really been pleased with Kroger. I've and had a couple of positive situations with Kroger myself. So I mean, I, I can't say enough good about Kroger. Go out this week, get involved with GeorgiaCarry.org. Join if you haven't. Go shop at Kroger. Don't do business with garbage men who don't enforce you or don't support your carry rights. And tune back in next week right here on your local station because we're here to talk about what's important to you. Give us an email. Let us know what topics you'd like to hear. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. 